uh, quite the dancer. He's pretty good. Good friend of mine, too. My best friend. Um, and it is good to be with you all. Uh, it really is. Times uh, every year when we come together like this, I really, uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy being able to come up here and talk with you. I enjoy being able to come up here and worship with you, look out at everybody. Um, I didn't get to experience that a whole lot so far this this weekend, just uh, with my throat kind of bothering me. I wanted to try to save it for uh, to be able to share some thoughts with you this morning, and I hope I hope it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Um, now, this whole weekend has been about vines and branches, um, and staying connected to the one uh, that can make you grow the best and help you to become the best person, the best man, the best woman that you can be. Um, and it's really to be di- it's really easy sometimes to be disconnected from that vine, right? Uh, you've been listening to various different people come up here and talk, you know, and I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes whenever, whenever Robert's up here and Carrie's up here and you're going to hear from Mackie um, and you hear from these people who are the keynotes and then sometimes you get an opportunity and you get to share as, as, as one of those people that gets to stand up beside them, you feel, you often you feel very inadequate. You guys ever feel that way? I, you know, I'm sure that you do. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. But the best man or woman that you can become is going to be whenever you stay connected to the vine. 100%. I've learned that in the years that I've become a follower of God. We've been focusing in on John 15. If you look up at the slide there, you're going to read that a little bit. I know that we've read that a few times. But I want to focus in on a few different passages because today I'm going to be talking about the secret of obeying your Father in heaven is really learning to love him really learning to love him. And that's been something that's been on my mind and on my heart for the past couple years, honestly. Trying to figure out a way is how can I really get to know, how can I really learn to love my Father in heaven? More than myself, more than the people around me. So that I can be the best for myself and for the people around me. It's kind of weird how that works out. If you learn to love him, you learn to be the best. And that's really what we want, right? Except sometimes our strife to be the best doesn't come from the thought of blessing others. It comes from the thought of blessing ourselves. And God doesn't want us to think like that. But I fully believe that if we can be a generation in a church, wherever you're going back to, that really learns to love the way God has designed love to be experienced, you guys are going to do great and amazing things. I'm 37 years old, young, vibrant, right? I'm that lineman that Robert was talking about last night. <laughs> was never a running back. Um, was always a lineman, just a little thicker nowadays. But um, <laughs> in the 20 years, I guess, that I've become a Christian, I feel that I've learned to love the Lord more. Can you say the same for yourself? I don't know what brought you here this weekend. I really don't. I think it's important to ask yourself that. I, I, I don't know why you're here. I don't know if you're here just because you're a part of a ministry and you're a part of a church where this age gap that you're in right now, they push you to go here so you just come because you're told to. I don't know if you're here because you're really searching and you're lost and you're discouraged and you're depressed and you feel like there might be something else than just what you're experiencing in life right now so you're looking for something. I don't know if that's where you're at. I don't know if it's just that you're here because you truly, truly want to be able to glorify your Father in heaven. If that's it, that's great and that's amazing. But often, often, 
I think that we are churches and we're a religious group that sometimes just does the things because we're told to, not because we really love it. Would you agree? And at some point in time, you've got to distinguish between obedience and love. Robert was talking with you guys yesterday, and he made the connection kind of that I'm hoping to make with you guys this morning, that if you want to obey God, you first got to love him. See, you can do everything that you're told to do and never learn to love God. You can shoot to be a leader and miss discipleship, but if you shoot to be a disciple, you'll never miss leading. And the same thing applies with your relationship with God. You can strive to be obedient, and I don't, and I don't think it's wrong all the time, guys, to, to do the right thing because you're told to, Right? I think there's importance in that, making sure that you're doing what you're asked, doing what you're told. I'm a carpenter by trade. And you guys who are carpenters, where's Marlon at? He's in here. You guys who are carpenters, and I'm telling you, like sometimes I tell people all the time, if you're coming into this industry with me, and I can help you get into this industry, but you're going to have to shut up and just do what you're told, right? You've heard me say it before. Sometimes it's just be quiet and do what you're told. And there's value in that, but there's something more valuable than just being obedient there, it's, it's learning to love your Father in heaven so much that you desire to be obedient. That you wake up every morning and that you look for an opportunity to just know him and love him a little bit more. In John chapter 15, starting, in, starting off in verse not, I'm sorry, 9. Are we there? It says this. You guys read along with me. My voice is kind of cracking. I'm going to make it through. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down your life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, now here's here's the catch. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that you've learned from my father, I've made known to you. 9 times in that passage of scripture does God reference love. Nine times does he reference love. And throughout all the Old Testament, you see all these commands given down to Moses. And Jesus drills it down to two. God drills it down to two in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in life, every good thing in life encompasses that. And it all starts with love. Now, I pray all the time. Honestly, I really do. My kids are, they're teenagers now. God love them. God love them. I love them. I pray for them all the time to, for God to raise up a generation that's going to lead this world better than maybe I did. Better than the people have passed. And you guys are designed to be that generation. I wholeheartedly believe it. And no, no greater time than now do we need it. We need it. God needs you guys to learn to know him. Like it says at the end of that verse in, 20, in, in uh, 15, that he can call you a friend. 
Because at some point in time, you're going to stand before him and he's going to look at you and he's going to say, man, well done, well done. Or he's going to look at you and you say, depart from me. And I know what you want, but it has to become more than just a want. It has to become every ounce of being within you, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. There was a church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. It says this. Listen to this. It says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. Now, as far as campus ministries and as far as youth ministries go, we're, we're pretty much on point. You know what I mean? You hear your leaders talk about that, right? How grateful you should be to be a part of an, uh, a campus ministry, a, a youth ministry like ours, because we really fight and strive to be on fire for God. We do evangelistic activities to try to, try to draw people in. We make sure that we're very biblically focused, right? Not just our thoughts and our, uh, what we wanna do, but focused on what the scripture actually says. You guys hear your leaders say that, that you're very blessed and fortunate. I know that you are. Clint would say the same, Mackie would say the same, Carrie, Jake, T, Lynn, Carol. You wanna know why they say that, say that about this ministry? Because they go around to the other churches across this country that are completely different than what you get to experience right now. And you have no idea how blessed and how, great, and, and how grateful you really should be to be able to be in a place where you're at. You have no idea. And you go to cross chats and you go to church and you go to Wednesday nights and you sing and you go to, you go to all the things that you're supposed to go to, right? That is good. It's, it really is. It's really good. And we have a reputation for being those churches that are alive. But look at what the passage says later on in Revelation chapter three. It says, man, you guys, you guys got a reputation. I know your deeds. You guys do some good stuff. You've got a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. He says, wake up, strengthen what remains and that is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. I see a crowd like this, and I see you kids, and I know, I know how it is at the age that you're at. I know it's tough. I've lived it. It's tough as a 37-year-old. It's tough as a 47-year-old. It's tough as a 57-year-old. It doesn't get any easier. All the more reason why it's important to learn to love your Father in heaven now. But I gotta ask, just because you come to the things and just because you come to events and just because you come to this and just because you're here on this weekend because you're a part of a church and you're part of a campus ministry and you're a part of a junior high or a high school ministry that says that this is what you should do, but are you really here alive? Or are you just the one that's out there dead? You can come to anything that you want when it comes to religion, but if you don't have that relationship with your Father in heaven that truly connects you and draws you in, I fear that sometimes we might be that church in Sardis in Revelation. We do a lot of really good things, but we're just walking around dead. And I know that you guys don't want to be that, and I know that your leaders don't want to be that, and I know our Father in heaven doesn't either. But we got to grow out of it. And it's okay to be questioned with that too, right? Like you should ask yourself sometimes, man, do I really love God? What does that mean? What does that mean to really love God? How do you really love God? How does anybody really know that you love God? Can you tell me? In John 29, Jesus questions Peter. You remember that? 
Questions Peter. They just get done eating this feast with the fish. He says he's sitting back and just imagine this. You guys were at dinner last night, right? You were at lunch. You ate together at some point in time this weekend. Reflect back and just be sitting around and just spring the question. Now imagine you're standing around. You're sitting around with Jesus. And Jesus looks at you and he says, Simon, Peter, do you love me? What was Peter's response? You remember? Of course I do. Of course you know I love you. And then what did Jesus say? Cool. Feed my sheep. So they go back to eating. They go back to mingling, playing around, joking, cutting up, this, that, and the other. Jesus looks at Simon Peter again. He says, hey, Simon Peter, you love me. What did he say? You got to be quiet. It's like an intense moment, right? Man, I thought we were just eating dinner. Lord, like, why, why are you coming at me sideways like this? Like, I, you know what? And Simon says, yes, of course, you know that I love you. Jesus says, okay, cool. Take care of my sheep. Cutting up a little bit more, playing around, joking, having a good time, just like we always do. Jesus comes back at him a third time. Okay, now, now you're like Simon Peter. If you're Simon Peter, and I'm questioning, I'm thinking, dang, man, what am I doing wrong? I follow you. I've done what you've asked. I wake up with you. I stay up late with you. I do what you ask. He says, Simon Peter, do you really love me? And this time, Simon Peter's a little hurt. Says he's hurt. He said, Jesus, you know all things. Of course you know I love you. And he says, well, then feed my sheep. He leaves it at that. What are you thinking if you're Simon Peter at that moment? I'm walking away like, I don't know if I'm right or if I'm wrong. You know, you're walking away like, oh, gosh, what? I know you're teaching parables, but, man, just lay this one out for me, Lord. What do you want from me? You all need to ask yourself that same exact question this weekend, period. If the Lord was before you right now and he asked you three times, what do you think he'd be trying to tell you? I wonder if he'd be telling us we need to get to know him a little bit better. We need to learn to love him a little bit more, love ourselves a little bit less. All this stuff is temporary. It's going to go away. When you stand before him, are you really going to love him? You're going to be at the end of that passage where it says, man, that's my friend. That's my friend. I'm here with my beautiful wife and you guys. Ashley, we've been together, married for 19 years. Is it 18 or 19? It's one of those. 18 years. Be 19. Be 19 in December. Man, I was blessed to marry up. No doubt about it. It's okay, guys. You can say yes to that. I know some of you. Johnny, yes, okay. Um, 19 years ago, you know, or so, whenever I first met Ashley, I really, you know, I thought to myself, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So whenever I was in high school, I was really, really infatuated with this one girl, um, he who, whose name should not be mentioned, right? Uh, her name was Heidi. Uh, and I thought, man, my life was going to, my, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I, I, it's going to be that story, right? That, that, it's going to be that movie. And Heidi and I are going to get together after we graduate high school. I went to prom with her. She, I, she said yes to me. I was surprised. We danced every slow song together. I thought that we were like going to, I thought it was going to, this is it. This is it. 
graduated high school. I had terrible grades, so I went to Last Chance College is what they called it, Lincoln Land. They called it Loser's Last Chance College. That's what they called it. Lincoln Land Community College, Loser's Last Chance. Uh, well, they accepted me. She went off to Mizzou. Um, it quickly faded like that dream, that thought that I thought, man, maybe she will, maybe she will like me. Maybe she will fall in love with me, maybe the way that I think that I'm in love with her. I, 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 uh, a few months later, little did I know that all that time, whenever I felt like my heart was hurting and I was disappointed and discouraged, that God was setting something else upstream, right? Ashley comes floating downstream, and uh, I see her about three months later. She falls instantly in love with me. And I said, okay. And <laughs> quite the opposite. I actually, whenever I first saw the picture of her, literally a Polaroid picture. I was looking at a phone, you know, zooming in. It was a picture uh, that Fran had. <laughs> so I saw this picture of Ashley, and I thought, man, I got to go down to that church and meet her. And I did. I went down to that church, I met her, and you know, long story short, here we are 19 years later, fell deeply in love. With a good woman. And I hope you guys can find that too. I met Juan around that same time. Some of you guys around that same time too. And I'm sure that those people, if I were to ask them, you know, uh, would you say that I was in love with Ashley? You could clearly tell, right? My actions, they showed it. It's been 19 years that we've been married, right? It's a long time. How do you keep that flame? How do you keep that flame alive? How do you keep it rolling? How do you keep it strong? Kind of similar to the way that your relationship with God is. You got to do some stuff to keep that fire stoked, keep that flame alive. So I want you guys, I want you guys to think of a couple questions just real quick. If I were to ask you, okay, so you guys are interviewing me, all right? You kids are interviewing me. You think you know what love is? That's boo crap. <laughs> you remember what, what movie that was? <laughs> Bernie Mac. That ain't love. That's boo crap. Um, I want you guys to pretend that you're interviewing me. And if you're, your role and your task was to figure out whether or not I really loved Ashley, what questions would you ask me? What questions would you ask me? Absolutely. Without thought, would I lay down my life for her? Absolutely. I probably act on that a little bit too much whenever these guys hoot and holler at her coming out of Target and this, that, and the other. You know, I, man, I've been, we're about ready to scrap. You know? I got to watch myself. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. What other questions? That's okay. So that's a question. Would you lay down your life? Okay. What other questions? <laughs> That's a good question, my man. Every single day. 
<laughs> every single day. Very good question. I like that. That was good. That was really good. On the reels every day. Often, you know, you know, Ashley and I's schedule has become our schedule. It's no longer just mine. Right? I might have an opinion or a thought on what I'd like to do. Um, a few minutes later, Ashley tells me that's not the right thought and not right idea to have, so I change it. You men who are married, you understand. All right. <laughs> what other questions? Real quick, just kick up, fire them off real quick. Tell me. Mm, 10, 20 years. Where do we see ourselves in 10, 20 years? Well, I plan on being with her, no doubt about it. Serving in ministry together, some ministry, right? Um, playing with our grandkids together. Oh. Can't vision anything without her being in it. Good question. What other questions? Do I do the small things for her? I think so. Maybe not. Maybe not as many of the small things as she would like for me to do. But, uh, you know, uh, when you get a picture text message of maybe the socks or whatever you left out, you know, or whatever, and, you know, midday, and you realize, oh, dang it, you know. Um, yeah, do I do the small things for her? I believe I do, but I probably could do better. Last question, anybody else? Do I get her fountain Pepsis every time I pass a gas station? Yeah, sure do. <laughs> Styrofoam cup, little thin coffee straw. I don't get it. But um, you know what bugs me about those 32-ounce sodas? It bugs me because at the end of the day, I see that 32-ounce soda halfway drank, ready to be thrown away because it ain't no good anymore. That's, new. That's another conversation. Man, good questions. Good questions, good questions. So, so those are the kinds of questions that you would ask me if you were to try to determine whether or not I really loved a person. Huh? I like those questions. Now, flip those and fire them back at you whenever it comes to your relationship with God. What were they again? Would you lay down your life for them? You don't have to. You can't answer that. You live in this good little country that uh, things are soft here. Being a disciple is laughed at when you're in other countries whenever they look at your commitment as an American. It's a joke sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that you guys are worried. You get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to cut you down. I'm trying to give you some reality here. Would you lay down your life for God? I don't think you can really answer that because you're never you're probably going to have to experience it unless you leave this country and decide to go on a mission somewhere. What was the other ones? You do the small things for Jesus? Do you? You talk with him, you pray with him, you serve him. Where do you see yourself in five, ten years when it comes to your relationship with God? Floating around in another campus ministry, going off to another college because they got the degree that you want, but they don't even have a church that's related to that? You serious? You kids in high school, you want to go off and you want to run around and do all these things? That's, that's great. I'm not, I'm not against education, but what I am for is for your Lord first and your education second. Yeah. 
not even second. Campus kids that don't know me that well, I don't play around. You, you're going to college, that's great. I know that there's money tied to that. Money comes and goes, you have the rest of your life to make money. You've got one shot at loving your Lord and standing before him, being able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. What was the other question? I forget. Do I change? Man, that's a good one. Do you change your mind for the Lord? Those are the real questions, I guess, whether or not you love him. Or do you do what you want? I'm tired, so I don't want to do it. Uh, uh, my, I, I don't feel like it, so I don't want to do it. Well, I've been doing this for 15 years. Someone else can do it. I ain't going to do it one time. Uh, who cares? You know, there's all those little things. Man, do you change your mind for the Lord? Man, that's a good question. When you got it set that you want to do this, that, or the other, or pursue this, that, or the other, and then you find out or someone challenges you or questions you, it says maybe you should look at this a different way. Do you change your mind or do you plant your feet firm in that sand, try to hold your ground when you know that you are dead wrong? Loving the Lord, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, that is solely up to you. And nobody can take that away from you. But you got to learn sometimes what those things are that might offend God, right? You got to ask, man, does God know you? In Psalms, David says in Psalms 139, he says, he says at the very beginning of 139, he says, Father, you know me. You know my heart. You know my deeds. You know my desires. And at the very end of the passage, in verse 23, it says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You ever asked yourself whether or not the things that you do, the things that you say, the things that you think offend him? It's, and it's super easy right now to dig in at a time where you fight for all kinds of stuff, right? You fight for, uh, you fight for equal rights. You fight for uh, free speech. You fight for this, that, or the other. You fight for Black Lives Matter. You fight for All Lives Matter. You fight for this party or that party or no party. You fight for all these things and you endeavor to accomplish so much in this world, but you have forgotten to fight for your relationship with him. You fight for all the petty things. The things, I'm not saying that those things don't matter. I'm saying that they don't matter the most. It's like, it's like imagine, imagine a coat rack with pegs on it. And it's like coming down, like looking like a tree, and there's pegs everywhere. You ever see that bingo, blinko, the game on Price is Right? You know, drop it at the top, it goes bing, 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 falls down at the bottom. Imagine that board right there. And all those pegs stand for something. This peg stands for my family. This peg stands for my, my spouse. This peg stands for work. This, stands, this one stands for my pension. This one stands for my savings account. This one stands for whatever. This one stands for my relationship with God. This one stands for church. This one stands for ministry. And those two pegs at the top that God said, every single law encompasses and falls upon her at the top. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And these ones hit here. What do you think happens whenever you stand back and you look at that pegboard and all you see is that you hooked your coat around the one that is just below second or third row? 
and you didn't even make it up to the top. Don't you think that if you learn to love your father in heaven, that we can, we, we can take care of the political crap that's in this world? Absolutely. Because the right people will rise to power instead of the wrong. Don't you think that all this stuff that goes on with, with race can deal with itself if we simply live a life that is loving and honoring to God instead of waking up and blasting your feeds with all the nonsense that's out there? Look at your feeds and tell me whether or not you love the Lord. Would other people say that you love the Lord? Hmm. David says, search me, God. Search me and tell me if there's anything in my life that's offensive. Now, whenever God tells you what those things are that are offensive, do you listen to him? Psalm 73, verse 1 through 3 says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure of heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Man, that's a good passage. He says, surely God is good to those who are pure of heart. But as for me, man, my feet almost slipped. They almost slipped. I try to do what's right. I try to make sure that I'm keeping God number one, that I'm doing the things within ministry, that I'm serving him, that I'm sacrificing for him. And my feet sometimes slip. And what does he make that slip connect to? The enviness that he saw within the arrogant people of this world because he saw that they were more prosperous than him. It's easy to look out at the world and wish you had. I wish I had. Wish I had this. Wish I had that. Wish I did this. Don't, those, are, those are the little things that Satan throws at us all the time. He's going to throw them at you all the time to try to pull you away from your love for God because for some reason, you got a little bit more connected with wanting that wickedness than wanting the righteousness of the Lord. In Mark chapter 12, really, guys, it all boils down to this. It simply boils down to this. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. If you love the Lord like that, man, you're gonna be obedient to him. You're gonna stay connected to the vine. You're gonna be the, the branch that blossoms, that thrives, that grows strong and never withers, and it's never cut down. But you gotta learn to love him. Well, how do you love him? Man, that's like a simple word, right? But how do you love him? God throws it out right there. He, you got to love him those four ways. What were they? You got to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now, what in the world does that look like? Think about that sometimes. If you can learn to do those things, great and amazing things can happen in your relationship with him. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. I think of this. Matt, will you go ahead and put that slide up for me? Make the connections like this. When you think of loving the Lord with all of your heart, think of that as talking. How's your speech? How's your words? How are, com how are you communicating to the world that you love the Lord? 
How do you talk? Are you, are you brash? Are you harsh? Are you mean? Are you cutting? Are you kind? Are you thoughtful? Are you wise? Do you weigh your words wisely? Like the passage says that everything that you say, every word that you say should be like a gift that someone gets to open up and blesses their life. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Watch the way that you talk. That's how you can love him. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul. Man, that's like the compassion side. That's the feeling side. I know some of you guys are, you know, feelings-based. Ain't nothing wrong with that. The Lord needs people like that. He needs people that are going to be the men and women that are compassionate, that are gentle, that can feel the discouragement whenever someone else is discouraged, that can feel the depression whenever someone else is depressed, that can feel the anxiety whenever someone else is anxious, and you can make those connections, but you don't just make the connection. You turn it back to the Father. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your mind, your thinking. Man, I find myself, I do a lot of driving with work. I do a lot of driving with work, and I often find myself in my mind. You ever find yourself like that? You're just, man, in your thoughts. And, can you give me water? Those thoughts, oh, I got it right here. It's easy to lose yourself in those thoughts, isn't it? Super easy to lose yourself in those thoughts. But you got to watch and you got to be careful, man. Do you honor God and do you love God with the way that you think? What you think about, what you chase after and what you pursue, or do you constantly just envision yourself and put yourself in a position of discouragement? You constantly think negatively about yourself. I'm not necessarily one for some, I'm not the kind of person that says, speak it into existence, speak it into existence. I'm not that person. But there is something valuable with saying, with thinking positively. If you constantly envision and think about all the negative things, it's going to, it does something to you. There ain't no doubt about that. God wants you to think right. He wants you to be mindful of what you let inside that head of yours. And last, he says this, man, Love the Lord your God with all of your strength. Now, that has everything to do with what you do. Every day. Man, look at your calendar. I tell people all the time, hey, look at your calendar and see what you do. Where, where's your time being spent? I get up and I go to class. Why do we even have school and education? It sucks. I've got to be there for seven, day, seven hours a day. Eight, it's a waste of time. I hear that from my kids all the time. Hear, hear it from all the time. College students, you know what I'm saying? The only difference is you got to choose whether or not you want a 7 o'clock class or a 9 o'clock or 1 o'clock. <laughs> but what you do every day matters. What you invest your time in every day matters. Can people look at you and can the Lord look at you and say, man, you have loved me with the way that you've talked. You've loved me with the way that you've been compassionate. You've loved me with the way that you have uh, been thinking about me. You've loved me in the way that you've lived by what you've done. Bottom line, guys, it says God calls each person to love him in all four of these ways. The world needs communication. <laughs> we got that? The world needs compassion, consideration, and contribution from every follower of Jesus. And if you can do that, if you can learn to love your Father in heaven with those four things, 
I'm telling you that whenever you stand before him, he's not going to cast you to the side. He's going to look at you, and he's going to say, man, well done. I've known you. He's not going to stand there and think, man, I knew your dad. I knew your mom. I knew your aunts and uncles. Man, I knew your friends. I just didn't know you. I had no opportunity to call you friend. But this right here is a time where you can make the decision where you're going to leave here changed. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. It's not mine. Don't do this for your family. Don't do this for your friends. Don't do this because you're because of whatever, you know, anything. You do this simply because God first loved you enough to sacrifice his son. And it is rewarding for you to learn to love him with every ounce of being that you are while you're here on this earth. To live your life the way that book says. To love him the way that that book says. To have a connection with him that is so intense that it's the most valuable expression of love that's undescribable. And I just wonder sometimes if you guys have ever had that. I was questioning whether or not I was going to do this. And there's a, there's a song that I really love. We don't sing it, but I really love it. And it talks, it talks about understanding and realizing that God is so worthy. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of everything. The song goes on to say out of Ezekiel that he's so powerful and majestic that he's like floating on clouds and rainbows. And that there's this creature that constantly is circling around saying, worthy, worthy, holy, holy. And I just wonder sometimes if we view our Lord like that. I just wonder if you really love your Father in heaven like that. And if you have not experienced that and you listen to me and you're like, man, that's kind of weird. What is that like? I never, I don't know. I, I don't know, RJ. I, I don't know if I've experienced that. Can you tell me if I've experienced that? Like, what? I wonder if you've experienced that. Because he wants you to. And he loves you enough that you can have it. You can go to the mountaintop every day. Every single day you can go to the mountaintop. But you got to want it. I'm going to close and I'm going to try to sing this song to you. And for those of you guys who know this song, please help me. Don't leave me up here, family, okay? Don't leave me up here. But as we sing this, I want you to think of the words. I want you to think of the lyrics. Think of the worthiness of your Father in heaven. Think of how much he loves you. Don't sit back there on the wall and on the fence anymore. Dive in. Realize Realize that he's worth, he's worth it all. The only reason why you're here on this world is to get to know him. Let's not fail at that.